0: Hello and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides navigating a pandemic. My name is Wouter Bernhard, I'm a tour guide in Berlin and like many of you currently unemployed. Over the past week or so I had the opportunity of having some wonderful conversations. I first of all really enjoyed hearing all of your voices, but I also just like to hear what you're up to, um, what you're going through, what new things you have discovered about yourselves and how you try to wrap your head around this sudden change in our lives. For this particular episode, I spoke to Nick Jackson, somebody that has been in Berlin for a very long time.
1: I started guiding, uh, doing the lecture tours in 1997, so a million years.
0: And straight off the bat, I wanted to let you know this wasn't a lighthearted conversation, especially not if you're currently an expat tour guide in Berlin. I retain a sense of optimism about our future profession.
1: And then that's a huge black, blackness in, that fu- in my future and all our futures, which I find really too terrifying to uh, acknowledge really
0: the low season is a show where we tour guides talk about our jobs our livelihoods and of course our passions for many the current disintegration of the tourism sector is a very daunting experience but i do hope that by talking about it by hearing other people wrestle with it it might all just become a little bit more bearable in the weeks to come now apart from nick being the harbinger of doom sorry nick He's also an incredibly talented historian and archaeologist. He did research in Syria, Jordan, Turkey and Bolivia, for example. He has a huge passion for tour guiding.
1: And I just say, well, I've been on holiday for the last 20 years because I spend all all my time on someone else's holiday.
0: And overall, Nick Jackson is a very pleasant man to have a chat with. Here is our conversation. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good, good. And uh, are you surviving?
0: Yeah, pr- probably. Uh, survi- sur- surviving <laughs> quite well, you know. I, I'm getting fed. I'm going outside. It's the uh, existential dread that's hanging over us, Nick.
1: That's the one.
0: Have you got, had your morning routine already?
1: Um, yeah, in a way. I mean, uh, I still uh, haven't done my exercises and uh, um, had my breakfast, but uh, I've been uh, um, doing my usual... Uh, morning routine in fact we've got other uh conference calls going on in the house as well so uh it's all go.
0: busy house
1: yeah well my daughter uh works for an advertising company so uh, they have these morning calls a
0: ton and your your daughter lives with you yeah does, does, is that normally the case or is this because of the corona thing
1: no she uh lives here i mean we're quite lucky with uh our apartment uh, and uh, the sort of the relationship that we've got, so given that it's difficult to find um it's you know it's much harder to move out now as a younger person than it was uh, a few years ago. There's no real uh, clash um with her here
0: awesome, and now that everybody has to stay indoors all the time, is that still the same atmosphere
1: um i think uh um I think for the first few weeks um or the first let should we say the last two weeks, I rather enjoyed it. it had been a Quite a hard um, end of excuse me end of last year and beginning of 2020. So I sort of enjoyed the rest and I have got lots of stuff um, to be getting on with. But as you mentioned, I mean the sort of the future, the existential horizon, is a rather worrying uh, perspective. So now I think uh, people are starting to move. are certainly personally, I'm moving into a new phase where you're starting to plan and uh, plot for the post-lockdown uh phase whenever that happens and i don't think it's going to be particularly soon but there's i mean don't you feel there's a sort of a strange comfort in the fact that there's a reason why we can't go out um as we'd like and do the things that we'd like and that's what you can sort of use that as a comforting excuse because when the lockdown finishes and uh and and let's say some sort of open life starts again all that means is that we're unemployed
0: That's that's one way of looking at it, yes. <laughs> I mean, which,
1: which is kind of depressing.
0: So well, let's, let's uh, well, I think we'll, we're going to get to the existential dread in a moment. Uh, maybe yeah, just yeah. Um, to do a small recap. Um, I, I, I've only just really uh, recently um, decided that the podcast is going to be called The Low Season um, because, of course, it has something to do with Our our seasonal work, normally this would be the high season, it's not the low season. Could you maybe tell me a little bit about your past low season?
1: Um, Yes, I can. Um, So um, I think one of the things that makes... Um, my guiding, a bit different from uh, um, our colleagues here in Berlin, is I work um, outside Germany as well. Uh, and some of my destinations, I do lecture tours, archaeological lecture tours, um, mainly in the eastern Mediterranean. So for, two, for 20 years, I've been doing tours of Jordan. I used to do Syria. Um, I, a couple of years ago, started to do archaeological tours of Israel. And climate-wise, there are certain times of the year which, for Berlin guides, would be the low season, should we say, the last two months of the year, um, or January and February, which is very, very quiet here in Berlin, um, where I'm actually really busy. So um, I did, for example, two um, week tours of uh, Lebanon uh, back-to-back November-December. Um, at the end of last year and this year in February, um, I did a 10-day tour of Oman in the Gulf. So my low season um, is kind of brighter um, if you look at it from an income perspective, uh, um, a bit brighter than uh, I think the standard Berlin guides.
0: Well, maybe not just from an income perspective, um, but like a lot of what we do in the in the low season, I think has to do with sort of figuring out what we want from the next year, relaxing a little bit, trying to read some books, study a bit, uh, maybe try some other things out.
1: Exactly. I mean, January was always reading and library time in preparation for the for the high season. Um, and I think the relaxation thing is also very important. I think uh, quite a lot of our younger colleagues who perhaps have fewer um, ties might travel uh, in January. I think that's quite common. I think uh, if you've got more... Uh, more complex home life that's a little bit uh, um, difficult but um, I think the rest on the one hand of not having to face guests every day it's also important because you know low seasons no more than just seven weeks isn't it? When you think January and February but I think I'm also extra lucky and very grateful from the fact that not only do I have work to do um, but I'm going to a completely different world um, and I find that really kind of mentally refreshing because it's the limit. Um, I think by the end of, uh, of the high season, should we say, as uh, towards the end of autumn, um, looking at, looking and talking and, and thinking and studying about some other aspect of history in a completely different uh, um, destination, um, I find uh, um, very refreshing and uh, um, and uh, beneficial.
0: Tell me a little bit about the way you found out that. Tourism is going to be hit hard this year.
1: Um, I spoke to my brother at the beginning of January, and uh, he's a zoologist. Uh, and he um, was buying uh, hand sanitizer um, very early on. Um, and uh, he mentioned, um, and it's something that uh, I thought about before, and to be honest, with things like SARS and uh, the SARS outbreak, and I remember um, doing the tours in the um, World War Two bunker, which is a very enclosed space and kind of, you know, lots of people, uh, now it can completely alien, lots of people crammed into small rooms, door handles, those sorts of things. I remember actually including um, a piece in the tour that I did um, about um, during World War Two in Nazi Germany, um, one of the elements of the of the Nazi salute was a sort of a a hygiene issue. So I'm stopping people shaking hands. And that occurred to me in January when I spoke to my brother. It didn't really hit me until I think the lockdown here in Berlin and that's when I realized this is gonna take a long time. It's almost impossible to control. And I was hoping at the beginning of say March that um, fingers crossed things might calm down and an autumn season this year would be possible. Um, but then I realised quite quickly after that, and it wasn't a particularly pleasant uh, realisation, to be honest, that 2020 was finished, um, and that's when the worries start to begin. Uh, things like you know, finances, covering costs, um, and um, how we were going to survive um, if we couldn't do anything, um, or um, certainly if, if we couldn't uh, practice our usual profession. Um, which I think is now the case. I think um, this low season is going to go on until uh, the end of the year.
0: How long have you been a, a, a guide, Nick?
1: I started guiding, uh, doing the lecture tours in 1997, so a million years.
0: So, ha- have you seen anything remotely close to what has happened to tourism right now?
1: No. Um I think um given that um half of my yearly destinations were in the are uh, in the eastern Mediterranean, they're relatively sensible. I mean, for example, um something similar but not really equivalent was of course um Isotur, Syria. uh Syria. and in early two thousand and eleven I was in Damascus and saw the first demonstrations begin there and thought, Okay, this is gonna get uh, uh complex. I never thought that it was that it would go on um for nine years. With this terrible toll, but um, that's now finished. I mean, that's a phase of that was a destination that I would visit at least twice a year. Um, It was an important part of a significant fraction of my annual income. And that's got September 11th. um, One of the places I'm lucky enough to go to every year is Petra. Um, And on a normal day in Petra before September 11th, if there'd been cruise ships um, in the uh, Gulf of Aqaba, you might see 5,000 people in the site. Over the day, and uh, just after September the 11th, I was there in November. There were 26 people, so I've seen these dips, um, but nothing of this longevity. That's the key. I think um, this is something that I really—if um, uh, you look on the dark side, this is never going to end.
0: When what do what do people do in these circumstances? Have you have you met guides that were? guiding in Petra or in Syria at the time that we were like, what do you do in these situations?
1: Well, I think it's um, the situation would be um, if your current occupation ceases to exist, you need to start another one. Uh, And then you have to fall back on um, whatever qualifications you already have. Whatever uh, qualifications you could gain, Um, and I think, you know, we're trying. If you try and stay positive, um, if tourism in Berlin or elsewhere uh, um, for us is finished for the end of the year, then that does give us a significant amount of time to do, well, to have an endless January. If January was always reading and library, we could extend that. um, If you could cover your costs for the end of the year, financially, there is going to come a point where people have to start earning money. Um, And then I think it would come down to, just as most uh, things in life, um, a networking issue. Perhaps, Uh, you know, we are, I'm a German citizen, but we're still, you know, we're we're a a guest group in a host population. um, And that uh, colors applications for jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But at some point, we're going to have to seriously consider beginning another however temporary, um, another type of uh, job, simply to uh, get some income.
0: Do you think tour guys will find other jobs easily?
1: Uh, I think um, it's going to be, I mean, I think if you think of a host and a guest group, um, you know, we, we guide, we need English-speaking people. Um, so they come from outside the country, uh, if you guide in German, um, Uh, then I suspect you're going to have a slightly easier ride if Germany starts to open up and Germans start moving within the country and coming to Berlin if you guide in German. then You're going to have a chance to continue in tourism if you guide in English. We need the English-speaking world to, A, get it together, and it's not doing too well at the moment, the English-speaking world, in terms of its reaction and uh, coping with this crisis, Um, and they need to get it together. And, of course, it's also, um, even if, say, people in the states decided they wanted to travel again what germany thinks about people coming from that area and their re- reaction through 2020 to the to the virus crisis um whether or not they're going to be allowed to come in whether, whether they want to or not so i think uh it's looking pretty uh pretty dark for um if if you're a tour guide in germany and you guide in english and you need people to come from outside the country to be your guests
0: many people are initially just struggling to get their finances in order to to figure out how the quarantine works, how to go to the supermarket and, uh, you know, stay indoors. Um, have you already allowed yourself to think a little bit further ahead in the future? How, how have you been taking steps to sort of mitigate your situation?
1: Um, I'm in a lucky situation for several reasons, I think. Um, I've been in Berlin for more than half my lifetime. And Berlin's changed so radically, uh, as you know, that um, I've lived in this apartment for the last 14 years. Uh, for example. So um, I'm very lucky that I've got a relatively low cost base. Um, So that relieves a little bit of pressure. I could survive longer without income um, than um, I would have done if my costs were higher, um, obviously. Um, And uh, um, I've got, with these different worlds, I think perhaps a few more options. Um, I'm not saying that um, Jordan will open up before Americans... are allowed to come to Germany and visit Berlin and we carry on one day as we've done last year. Um, but it is a possibility. So uh, um, I think uh, I've, I feel in quite a good place. What I'm still doing though, if I was honest, is I'm pushing away the, the acceptance of the reality. And that is that we are going, I think to have to start something new. We we will not be able to go back tourism as we understood it um in the last uh, years of our careers and um, that's i think quite a frightening prospect
0: one of the things that i've been talking to uh with other tour guides is if 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 this is true what you're saying that many tour guides will have to try and find another occupation um what does that actually mean for our our industry and our business i mean if, if people are I mean, well-qualified people are going to just completely do something else. Um, they're not going to fight for keeping our business afloat and sort of making sure that that it's still there once the tourists return. They're just going to go somewhere else and try and pick up their lives again.
1: Right. I think that's true. I think um, uh, some, some guides... Um you know, this happens on a small frequency anyway, but people might go back to their countries of origin and, uh, and think they've got a better chance there. Um, or um, it's a question I think broadly in terms of qualification. Um, I'm in a pretty difficult situation i think that if you'd looked at the employment opportunities in berlin um, i'm a German citizen i speak german i've got some advantages um but it's this question of skill set so either you've got that and you have a chance or you get that skill those skills and then you've got a chance or you abandon the project completely um and uh perhaps go back to the country of origin or move somewhere else i I suppose that's an option as well
0: what are you uh What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Like, well, for example, what does your day today look like?
1: Um, First of all, I get up and clear the wreckage in the kitchen from the night before. Um, And uh, I think rather a lot of us have been uh, doing uh, quite a lot of cooking, which is something that I did before, but I've really, now that I've got the time, gone uh, kind of crazy on that. Uh, I have my coffee, I will look at my news sites and sort of update myself from what's happened from the, the the night before. And then, um, and this feeds into what we've just been talking about, if tourism ceases to exist, where does one go? Um, as a stopgap measure, um, partly um, to keep the profile of some companies that I work for that will perhaps try and ride out this uh, um, um, crisis and start advertising and hopefully getting um uh guests um for these archaeological lecture tours perhaps should we say looking on the bright side in the spring of 2021 um what i've been working on is um making little um, virtual tour films i think a lot of us are um are, are doing that so i've been working uh um, it's something that uh, I've had a steeper learning curve than the numbers of uh, the curve uh, graphs of the numbers of people in the world getting coronavirus in terms of how this software works. But I really enjoyed that. So I've been working through film material uh, and cutting it together into little uh, five, uh, six minute films. So that's basically what I've been doing. Uh, and um, they could be used either to broadcast um just for the benefit of uh, people out there, if they're interested, um, or could be attached to some sort of um, rolling <clears throat> advertising um, to keep um, tourism in people's minds, to keep the company name out there. Uh, that's really what I've been working on, if I haven't been doing house stuff.
0: Well, um, maybe that's what I want to sort of leave it with uh, for, for now. Um Thank you so much for chatting to me
1: um, right so in a way is this i mean this is i mean how do you feel about the i mean the, i mean our, the future of tourism I think is looking pretty grim for this year. We do need to start doing something else. Is this then podcasting your new project
0: yeah I th- but I mean it always has been like i I've, I've always said to myself. Um, that I am a tour guide, but eventually I'd like to become a podcast or a journalist in that, that sense. Um, so this might be a good kick moment to sort of uh, start actually doing it.
1: Right. I mean, again, I think if you feel optimistic uh, and, you you know, it's like finally <clears throat> you've been given permission and the time to do the thing you always thought about doing but had so little time to do because you were always out shouting at people about the Nazis.
0: It is true, but, but listen, Nick, it- for last year, by the end of last year, I think I finally said to myself, I've been a tour guide for five years. I've been a podcaster for that same amount of time. But I make my money through tour guiding, not through podcasting. So maybe I am just a tour guide. Not just a tour guide. I'm I am a tour guide. That's my full time occupation. And I finally admitted that to myself. i I finally felt comfortable in that position. And yeah, look at where we are now, you know? I feel somehow a bit sad that this might be the end of so many of our sort of uh, great colleagues that have so much capacity for sharing knowledge and getting people excited, and they will do great in other businesses. But I feel a bit sad for what that means for the tour guide industry in Berlin.
1: Right. I mean, I think it's a tragedy. I mean, you look at... Um, I think you know. Often uh, in times of crisis, looking after number one is where you're going to start. But if you think that if if all if you and all our colleagues are feeling the way I'm feeling, that's a pretty that's a pretty sad group of people at the moment. I think a lot of people and worried as well. I think there's an element of fear there. I mean, at the moment, I'm still trying to push off the final acceptance of that realization. Given that if I'm a full-time tour guide. Um, if that no longer exists i'm literally left with nothing and the idea of um, making little films and putting them on youtube is a bit pie in the sky uh uh so i don't know um it's fun at the moment as a stopgap but uh, that will come to an end as i realize conceivably i need to do something else and then that's a huge black blackness in that fu- in my future and all our futures which i find really too terrifying to uh, acknowledge really
0: certainly today well that's uh, so one of the one of the reasons i wanted to make the, the show is bec- exactly because of this sort of dark hole that nobody really can see into uh, it's, it's also the sort of an acceptance that we can't really see into it we can't control that sort of darkness we can't sort of try and think about it a little bit but maybe we need to just take it one step at a time
1: what are the others saying? I mean, I think quite a lot. I mean, I've, certainly Asaf. Uh, I actually spoke to Michael. I didn't realize you were going to call him in Italy. Um, and I think we've all sort of seemed to have had the same kind of rhythm. It's like, well, that doesn't work. This well, we can't work. We've got to do something else in between, um, thinking that at some point this in between will end and something new will begin that still relates to yesterday, um, old tourism as it used to be, and this realization that that, that in between might never end that we all have to start something else. I mean, there's other people, uh, if you sort of picked up, uh, are other people abandoning the tourism and and finally acknowledging that they're going to have to start something else?
0: Uh, I hear that a lot. I I I just got off the phone with somebody who said... That actually this crisis made her realize that she took her job for granted and she made it made her realize that this is actually what she wants to do. You know, she doesn't. Yeah, I know. This is horrible. (laughs) Like she doesn't want to give it up. She's like so excited and she realized like how much she misses it. I mean, how, how horrible is that? You know, that's like. That's the most yeah despairing I think conversations you can have yeah
1: you don't know what you you don't know what you've got till it's gone
0: but in that sense also like many tour guides have we've it's always been said about tour guides that they are it's not really an occupation anyway and everybody comes from different backgrounds nobody's trained to be a tour guide um so in that sense we are well equipped to sort of maybe pursue something else and to go back to our original studies and uh, maybe to try something else out I'm I'm, I'm just, yeah but in that same regard it 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 sort of how do you say confirms what people always say about tour guiding, that it's not really an occupation and that it just disappears
1: it's it's um you know in a way it's almost um, you had to sort of cross your fingers because it was too good to be true when you're looking back on it That's, i mean i used to say to people um you know they were like what did you what did you what do you do uh, and i used to say well i've been on holiday for the last 20 years because i spend all my all my time on someone else's holiday um talking at them uh it's uh it was a massive blessing and if it's the end then i suppose all we can do is look back and you know um smile and enjoy the fact that for however many years we had this great job that gave not just us but so many people that we met um pleasure and when they left us they were different
0: that's something we can tell our children here here <laughs> Nick, thank you so much.
1: It's been a pleasure. I wish you luck.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'll, I might uh, contact you in the future again. See, see where we're at and uh, what has changed.
1: Walter, well, always ready when they just uh, just let me know.
0: Thanks, Nick. Goodbye. Then okay, good luck, Nick Jackson. Everybody, yeah. What to make of that? Um, I think first of all, it was a really honest conversation. There's no denying that he's worried about his future as a guide or maybe even his future in general. But I couldn't help but notice that there were also a lot of little bits of humor in our conversation as well.
1: Because when the lockdown finishes and and, and let's say some sort of open life starts again, all that means is that we're unemployed.
0: And I felt that as I stepped out of that call and edited our conversation, it left me with an overall feeling of acceptance an acceptance that we can not predict the future, that it's okay to take our time to figure out what to do. I mean, if Nick Jackson doesn't know what's up or what his future might look like, then maybe it's okay if I don't know what to do either. Nick is currently working on a YouTube channel called Theaters of Memory, which will have virtual tours on archeological, historical and cultural sites worldwide from all periods. Very niche. And I really hope we can have him back at some point and see where his head is at. If you enjoyed this episode of The Low Season, if you felt it made some sort of a difference, I'd be very happy to hear it. Send me a message at thelowseasonpodcast at gmail.com. That also goes for recommendations and other people I should have on this show. The Low Season is a daily beast with new episodes coming out every day, Monday to Friday. So if you don't wanna miss a single conversation, Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your fix. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork by Sergio Membrias. Georgia Ryungo puts the pedal to the metal. Speak soon, my friends. The low season, the low season, the low was season, the lows, the low, the low season.